Welcome to A Little Life. This is a podcast where we discuss the big and the small things that make us who we are. I'm Q. And I'm Hannah. So why do you think we don't talk about grief? I mean, culturally, but also, I mean, we don't really talk about it. I don't think we talk about it enough between friends, family. I think I think it's that one true thing that kind of makes us realize that we're human. That we are very fragile, that we are ultimately at the core of us beings that have absolutely no control over perhaps the single biggest thing that happens to us in life and to kind of wrap your head around that um, on an emotional level for your own self is one thing but then to tie that to all of the people that you love and care about is is very very different I, I always thought that, that death was this kind of great escape. Um, Why do you say that? Because I think that escapism for me has is, is, is always been like a, a destination. Like when, when I thought of escapism, and we spoke about it before, is that that was that was my way of kind of separating myself from the world, and and to me death was just a part of that. But I always thought about that in a way that it was about myself. So when I thought about my own death, that was never a big deal. That I thought, well, if I died, that passing away isn't a big deal to myself. But I never actually thought about it in relation to how other people feel, and I never thought about how I would feel whether if someone close to me passed away, um, kind of until it like it hit me personally. Um, uh, so, so as much as I thought about death, I'd never spoken publicly about death um, with other people because it almost seems weird to think about death mm. in that way. And then that, but then that never prepares us. Like it doesn't ever prepare us. And it's strange because death is the only thing that's certain in this life, right? It's the, like, even being born alive is not certain, but death is, and yet we, not necessarily globally, I think, because there's lots of cultures that have much healthier narratives and conversations and acceptance around death and grief and the process or meaning behind that um, but definitely in, here in the I would say in the west considering I'm someone who like who has never liked to be emotional or in my like later have to say I can almost understand it as well 
because I think about when my dad passed away and um, like the feelings that it comes with it like it's just the hollowness mm. um, in a way Because it's not replace, it's like irreplaceable, isn't it? Right. It's like a, it's like an irrecover, irrecoverable loss. Mm. In a way that, like, when, because I don't know. I was trying to think of it in the context of loss, like grief as an extension of of the experience of loss, but actually with other types of loss let's say like you lose a friendship or you lose a another uh, you lose a relationship you can almost recover it in other ways like new people come in but actually the thing about grief and loss in relation to death specifically is that there is you can't replace that person there is nothing that plugs 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 that there is no other person that can does that make sense yeah I, if I'm being very honest I still I still I'm still trying to figure it all out in my yeah. head. like I don't have the answers there's there's um there's part of me that thinks that I say I'm okay and they they are okay, but I always think that there's something about it that has made me very different inside. Mm. And I don't know what that says about the fuck. Obviously, that's my own experience, but I don't know what that says about the um, about kind of corny the meaning of life. Mm. Is that is that as much about the how you then perceive your relationship to the meaning of life as opposed to just your relationship with that person, like you being confronted with your own mortality and what that might mean, or so if, like for me it's quite difficult. Like I've had family members who have passed away the closest one was my uncle two years ago and he in fact it'll be yeah two two years ago on the weekend and it literally came out of nowhere Mm -hmm. so like he was well and he literally just had a heart attack and dropped dead and I still remember that day really clearly and I remember going to my aunt's straight away from work, my mum calling from leisure and I went and his body there in the living room and um, like the the, uh, paramedics and the police there Um, and that was like my first experience 
even though like I had like my grandparents, but I was mm. not close with them. Mm. I didn't have that relationship. Like I, yeah, I didn't have that relationship with them. But with him, it was this. It was like inconsolable. It was like I just remember, like I just cried and cried and cried. Like I'd be at work and I would just burst out crying, and I'd never had that kind of experience. Um. Before, but it made me so aware of people being here one minute and gone. It's one of the things. The as, next. As a society, like we have this really interesting reaction to death, no matter who it is. Like, yeah. particularly when it's a celebrity, it's one of those things that always makes people stop for a second and go, "Oh wow!" Like, there's no such thing as permanence. Hmm. And I think our reactions uh, are very telling and, and obviously we've both kind of gone on journeys to try and equip our, equip ourselves with tools to deal with so many yeah. things in in our lives. Um, but the fact is, when, when this happened, I was like, okay, I thought I had acquired a bunch of tools that would emotionally stabilise yeah. myself for any of the big eventualities mm. that were on my way yeah. um, that were forthcoming in life except I hadn't and I think that also took me by surprise I think I dealt with it better because of the journey I had yeah. taken um, because I think I, I was a bit more able to show emotion and, and kind of understand understand myself but the tools that I thought would equip me through any emotional instability post um, post therapy actually weren't adequate. In what way, like examples, like what did you expect to be useful, and was it what had worked before but wasn't working in that instance? I think it goes back to a control thing. I remember I spoke a lot in therapy about. Um, I was told <laughs> I was spoke back so I didn't believe it it's um kind of like you control who, who you give power to yeah right and this narrative that if you give power to somebody yeah. and the, uh, so I remember in one therapy session I, I was having a discussion and um I was talking about something and I said something something had really pissed me off and my therapist had said um You've given power to that person to to do that. And that, that was the first time me and her ever beefed. Okay. <laughs> I was just like, I was pissed off. Um, how dare you kind of think that? No, this person is the one who exerts yeah. power over me because, like, that's the yeah. relationship that it is. And but it really made me think. And so I kind of went about it. Is that it's kind of in many ways I believe I I don't believe it on a big societal context, but on a personal context yeah. I do. Is that you give power to people about the way you react to yeah. things, right? So in some ways it's about control. You do not have that. Yeah. When it comes to this. Yeah. Like there is nothing you can do. Like all the feelings that you feel, the the, the hole the black hole, the the um But obviously, I was I wasn't I didn't go to it to deal with that. Yeah, but okay. So one thing that made me made me think about 
um, and actually it was the Esther Perel conversation we both listened to on the weekend and at the end of it she says you know people at the moment are preoccupied or obsessed with this notion of like balance mm. right and even I think a lot of people and I think I think I went into therapy thinking that I would be a more balanced person I would be able to manage my emotions and therefore be more balanced and not react in certain ways um, that are too extreme on either end and actually says that's not right you know actually there is no such thing as that balance the balance is being able to allow yourself to experience these extreme emotions because that's what we are as humans that extreme sadness that extreme anger that whatever those things that come and go knowing that at the end you will come out of it it's not a permanent state mm. and I think the thing about grief is that you can't you don't know what the end is and just as you think and I remember there was a line from was it mothers oh, right and I remember you said you sent it to me and it must have been shortly after your couple of months after your mm. dad had died and it was around the time my uncle had passed away um, to paraphrase it it's something like people think that grief is a straight grief is not a straight line yeah, you can be travelling on getting it and yeah, suddenly it pulls, pulls you back, you back. Yeah, yeah. and I think that's the thing about grief as well that's what makes it really difficult is this notion of you think that you shouldn't be feeling all these things after a certain point in time and you kind of oscillate um, and when I've talked to sort of friends and family who've gone through intense periods of, of grief you know it'll be this thing of like they might be fine for months or they might have a delayed reaction I remember like someone I know had said you know they were fine for the first few months and then it was debilitating they couldn't work or they had to start working part-time something like that because they just could not cope that feeling and then they got better mm. and then again a few months down the line they were yanked mm. back and again it was over over a parent and it's really funny like doing my um looking at <laughs> diagnosis like depression diagnosis and having a conversation last year with some classmates when I was doing a global mental health program it was such a ridiculous um notion of when someone is should be clinically diagnosed with depression after grief mm. so like if someone experiences depression like symptoms there's a certain period that you wouldn't treat them because it's a normal part of grief and then after a certain number of months then you would say it's depression, it's depression. Yeah. and I think in ways that's that's problematic I mean it might not be right for example to start drugging people after like um necessarily like after they've experienced well whilst they're experiencing grief straight away well, but even that sort of yeah. yeah about what what is legitimate depression and what isn't and what is part of grief and what isn't part of grief 
and what the life cycle of it is. So it was like something like after six months or something, nine months, six months. It was, I think it was something like that. It was like six months, then you can start to consider. But if they've experienced loss within, the first, within six months, you shouldn't really be treating, clinically treating them. And I found that really bizarre because then also what do you do with those people who process at different times, who are yanked back and forth, who might be functioning in some ways but not functioning in others, who, what kind of support do we offer people? Um, even in a work context, you know, how much time do people get, get off? What are they, what are the allowances? Like, do people understand? <laughs> um, yeah. People find it very awkward to talk about it. I mean, look, you, everyone can fuck up when it comes to grief, whether that's someone like who you're very close to, yeah. um, and you don't like ask the right things or say the right thing. Yeah. It's very interesting that, you, that there is that approach to it. And is there a right, right way to grieve? Mm. He said a white way to grieve. <laughs> Yeah. You're thinking about too many other things. <laughs> like, is there? Is, is... Well, I think it's difficult because it seems like we don't have any avenues here. Mm. You know, like, one of the things I really do res- do respect, like, when, when my uncle passed away, what I loved about, like, my mum's generation was how everyone came together. Like, literally, like like my uncles and aunts who live like an hour, two hours away, that same evening when his body was still there, had all turned up to pray for him. Brought food, did all that kind of stuff. And I was thinking, are people gonna do that in, like, could I trust that my peers would be able to do the same thing? Whereas like culturally, it's Mm. so accepted. And there wasn't that fear of the body either. So like, some people can have the real anxiety over seeing like dead bodies or that moment instantly. But I think like back home in Pakistan, it's like relatively, some of those things seem much more normal. So the fact that people did turn up straight away. Do you, um, think, it's not, do you think it's not disturbing seeing the dead body? I'm saying I feel uncomfortable. Okay. But what I'm saying is I think for people in other countries, and especially where there's like practices are normal, like for example, they turn up straight away, they didn't care if the body's still in the house, people are praying, sitting with the body. That's like, I don't know about like English culture, but I don't think that's like an English thing, but like in Pakistani and a Muslim communities, that's much more, um, much more normal. And so again, like it feels like there's like certain avenues where people are more able you think there's acceptable ways to grieve? Is that what's up? No, no, I'm saying like there's more considered ways of. I don't know if that's like long term, but like more short term stuff where people think about death and expressing it. So that's, that's all I'm saying. So, like, I would say, like, even a lot of my. I had a bunch of friends who came who've never met my uncle who came to the mosque, came to the funeral, came to pray came to see my family members and for me that was really like important that there was that kind of infrastructure or like that's that that moment where you feel like actually you need you need people Um, right 
right a community whereas I'm not sure like now <laughs> versus my mum's generation where her and her cousins and her uncles and her aunts grew up in an environment where that was like but the thing is you don't know until it happens yeah. which is obviously the, the difficulty of it but I could see who was more comfortable with it so this is what I'm saying I was saying like my Muslim friends that was like normal practice for them so for a bunch of them it was like yep yeah, we'll come into the mosque When's the funeral? We'll come into the mosque. We'll come to the house. We'll pray. That's just what we do. Yeah. But then, is there anything wrong with that? That um, that being unsure about it. No. But I'm saying it for me. It made me realize like it was an interesting. The reactions. That yeah, reactions. like different people. I mean, but and that's also not universal. Like I remember when my mum's mum passed away, and she was just shocked at how some of her friends didn't even like some of her closest friends didn't message her let alone turn up to the funeral and she was like what is going on here like I've done everything for you and it was the same with um someone else that I know when their when their uh father passed away and they were like like one or two of their closest friends didn't message didn't come and it came back to that thing of stepping back and realizing they have their own anxieties yeah. around and fears around death. Yeah. So how like how much can we blame? Yeah. Blame people. I remember I I wasn't. I think I was angry, right? But I think I was. I think I wondered about people's reactions. I don't, for me, I don't ask people. I don't ask anybody for yeah. anything. Like it's 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 probably it's a it's a weakness. I would say it's a weakness in many ways. Um, and I would never ask someone to to be like, oh, like I need this from you yeah, like, yeah. at this time. Um, I see that as a massive weakness now. I didn't before ever before. I see it as a weakness now. Um, and it was only a year after, and I was sitting there writing something. I was just like, look. I think what some people think is that if, when someone has had someone close to them pass, that they, that that person then needs you to give them so many things that you can't. But I, I feel like one of what do you mean? So because people don't necessarily know what to say, what to do. When someone is grieving, okay, yeah, yeah, that they feel that they that they're going to be inadequate at providing Eating, yeah, some yeah. type of comfort. But I remember, like one of the smallest things a friend did was just come around, play, bought me food, and play, yeah, yeah, play yeah, their yeah, yeah. Like to me, that's yeah, yeah, that's yeah. like the la- like a lasting. We don't have to like you don't have to speak to someone no. who is grieving about the death of that person. No, you just want the connection. Yeah, which is why I was saying, like for me, that's what hit me was like that inf- having that infrastructure. Like where people brought food, mm. you know, like being in a community where they know we're going to bring food for the week so you don't have to think about food or, you know, like there's small, there's yeah. small things of like how you care without. What does it say about a society though that can't discuss our probably our most, yeah, kind of, well, one, our only certainty in life, but two, probably the, our most. Uh, one of the most times that we're in need what does it say about society that we can't actually in western or British society that we, we don't deal with that well 
like to to me it confirms a lot of negativity. But I think also at that time you can feel so overwhelmed. Yeah, I'm also laughing at things that. Are yeah, see, look, you cottoned on. I did a lot of giggling in my therapy session this morning. It was fantastic. Um, but I think at the, I think it's also okay because in moments like that you are so emotionally overwhelmed you don't necessarily know your needs you don't necessarily have the energy to muster up like you said you didn't have to ask your friend oh come and do this mm. your friend just came over spent some time with you and that felt good mm. because your friend knew that he just wanted to spend some time with you do you see what I mean? You don't always, I think we're also in this space where we think that we constantly need to articulate everything when actually like connection, um, can, what we need in those moments is connection and comfort. And we don't always have the energy to muster that up in those moments that are so overwhelming. Yeah. Like, if you're crying all the time, <laughs> for example, I'm just giving, like, I was just, like, thinking, like, me and my cousin were just sitting there, for, like, we spent, I ended up taking a week off work, and they just let me take a, I was really lucky with my bosses at that time, they didn't even let, I didn't even have to take, like, leave or put, put it through mm. anything, and... Like, my mum and dad flew from Malaysia, and then there was, like, a delay. Because Islamically, you know, you have to bury bury straight away. But because he dropped dead, like, out of the blue, it took so long for them to do the autopsy. And then, like, so actually it took, like, two weeks. And actually I ended up just staying at my cousin's house with my uncles, my aunt, my cousins, my mum. And it was the most comfortable comforting thing and we cried loads and we also laughed loads and we ate a lot of food and we walked a bit and it was just it was like purely com comforting without having to like say this is what I need yeah. this is this is Do what you think I it fundamentally changed you it has changed yeah I mean it's made me it made me so much more aware not of mine but like my parents made me feel quite urgent about the things that I needed to do with my parents like spending more time with them being aware of their mortality um, and like not just them actually I think it's the thing with like we spend so much time bluffing and bullshitting about stuff but actually you've got to love up on the people that you love up on care and it's good to care like we also live in a culture at the moment where nobody wants to care about anything everyone wants to pretend they don't care everyone's a bad bitch mm. everyone has no feelings and actually it made me realize like no like you know you cut the bullshit and you actually invest and spend time and you care so actually now thinking back on it I think like actually in the last two years I've seen all my relationships with my friends and my family go through quite an intense period of change just from that kind of yeah I, I think I think the thing about about death it really does it really is a reminder about what what life is about mm -hmm. like and that is as you go back to like when you're in that state of grief it's about connection 
but the reason that you're in that grief that place of grief yeah. is because of a lost connection and fundamentally yeah. I think maybe the big thing with death and the maybe reason we can't necessarily always articulate the world the way we want it to be is it is at the essence of who we are mm. as human beings that losing people um, is the greatest reminder of, of why we're here I think I don't know yeah because when it comes down to it like nobody cares about like the frivolous stuff like no one cares about the money nobody cares about the house nobody cares about the cars mm. like what people talk about is who that person was and you also know by the people that show up um, and the things that they say and the quality of things that they say about that person and I will say that having having one grandparent who was an awful awful woman and I it, it was just the truth and I remember like my mum had to ask people to come to the funeral because it was like all the things that she was she was so consumed with appearance and status and money and all this stuff and she did all these bad things to all these people including her own children and her grandchildren and her you know her daughter-in-laws and all this kind of stuff that when it came to her funeral like people didn't even want to pray like nobody wanted to come to the funeral my mom had to like round people up and be like can you please come because this, it's really sad there's no one gonna be there and like I we feel like we need to pray for her, pray for her salvation for the afterlife but it was so sad and that was also I guess like a reminder of like your connection with people your connection with people whereas like when my uncle passed it was like all we wanted to do was talk about how amazing he was and how kind he was and how calm he was and like these really beautiful like characteristics yeah. that that he had um and how he'd like you know the fond memory because this is what i was gonna ask here i was like in those periods of grief did you find that you just want to talk about that person? Can you hear me? No, I think it's up. Um. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, what was I saying? So it, during that period when you were grieving, did you find that you wanted to talk talk about your dad yeah. to people? Uh, that you didn't... That didn't talk to you about previously? Yeah. Or who didn't know him? It's complicated. Because it was, obviously it was my foster dad, so mm. obviously I had... Um, It wasn't a lot I'd spoken about beforehand yeah, yeah. about him. But I think I wanted to, personally for me, so yeah, talk about him a lot with my family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but for me, like, I really indulged in the things that... Um, that kind of, like, he... that were important to him, or that 
that he kind of passed on. So, mm. like, the reason I support Liverpool is because of him, kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, so it's like going to matches there and kind of, yeah. like, honoring him. Yeah, and honoring his memory. And, and like, the last conversation I literally had with him was him being like, like, you've done, like, really well. Like, go ahead and live your life. Don't let people tell you that you shouldn't mm. be doing that. That's literally the last words he said. I mean, that's there, really there's a couple of other expletives in there. Yeah, that yeah, but that's that's but, really beautiful. Um, so I wanted to indulge in that, yeah. and I still feel that that's that is how, and like the pictures, and, and to me, honouring who he who he was is to be who I am. Mm. Kind of in a way. So. Um, yeah, I spoke about it. We laughed a lot. Like a lot. Um, I remember the good and, like, not all the good. Yeah, yeah. You know? It wasn't. Um, and there's nothing wrong with it. Remembering someone in their whole form is, I think, is, is the best way. Like, you can't, like, cherry pick. I think that's also what's, like, really interesting about grief is, is it. it can be so complicated mm. because that can be the moment of rupture for for some people who have incredibly difficult relationships with certain people. Mm. So, like, I think I think of my my mum and her parents. Um, and when her mum passed away, and her well, her sisters came, and. I remember us just sitting and talking, but they all had really mixed and difficult emotions because on the one hand, this was their mother, and on the other hand, they had, I would say, still really unresolved, complex, difficult things that you also kind of shelve because the person is alive, in a way. Does that make sense? It's like, we can deal with that at another time. And then, actually... Yeah, very rarely do we have Yeah, and then all this stuff surfaces and you're like, oh, this is incredibly... Um, you have to tell people you love them, man. Yeah. Like, when when you can and you also have to... Like, if you, if you can't let go of things, you have to air them out as well. I was going to say that. I think that's the other thing, is, like, you have to work through. Yeah. If you're able to, you work through it yeah. or you let go. Yeah, if, you, if you're incapable of letting go, holding a grudge will also kill you. Like, That's true. <laughs> like you could not hold a grudge about things because you'll be left with feelings of guilt. And when those feelings exist, when someone's gone, there's nowhere to go. Yeah. yeah, there's nowhere to go. Thankfully, I'm, I'm glad I didn't have that in this, in this case. But mm. um, I could only imagine like to have that as an extra weight of feeling added down onto you um, there's a lot in the cliche of like giving people the roses while they can still smell them <laughs> Seriously. Um, and we're also in this really weird cultural climate right now because there's some things that we think tomorrow 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 and then there's some things that we think now 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 and it's never normally appreciation though that we think no 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 
like delayed grat- uh, gratification is not a thing. People really struggle with having delayed gratification. We want we want to have all our dopamine hits. In. <laughs> yeah, but the pop, the difficult stuff. Yeah, it can can be put. And actually, even or not even, and when I say difficult, it's not necessarily the negative stuff. It's the vulnerable stuff, isn't it? Like people find it incredibly hard to tell people they love and they love and care. Yeah, but like how often do people say, even to their friends, like "I love you"? Right, and men 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 struggle with this even, immensely. Yeah, and I go back to to to, to Mrs. Brown for a name. And she speaks about how joy is the most vulnerable you can be, right? <laughs> and like ever since I, ever since um, I think it was read to me, my girlfriend read it to me. I was like, it's really true. To tell to tell people you love them, right, is in in essence a part of joy, right? To put yourself on the line like that, mm. it's easier not to say it. It's really easier mm-hmm. not to tell someone that you love them and to think that regrets are later down, like you won't have regrets later down the line. And that if, and I think there is this thing that if you love someone, it's, again, it's this weird double whammy of stuff of, um, we, Lost my train of thought now. <laughs> if you love someone, I think also we naively think they're probably going to be around forever. Exactly, but at the same, and then when you say it, you are also you become vulnerable to the fact that they may not, that they may leave, that they may go. You know, so it's like the acknowledgement and recognition that if you care or love someone or something, that that is not a permanent state that's also fallible in some shape or form. And maybe that's one of the reasons that we don't talk about yeah. death. It's because then you, it, it's the realisation that actually everybody that you care for is going to die. Well, that's happy. <laughs> like, but yeah. But it's true, yeah. right? It's, that's a hard thought. Like one of my first, one of my later thoughts was that shit, yes, I love this man um, because of who, like, the position he had in my life. I'm like, fuck, I'm about to be X amount of more people that I care about at some point in my life that yeah. I am also going to lose. And that t- that was a really sad point because I was just like, how will I cope with that? But that is all a part of. But then, th- when when you start to acknowledge that it's a natural part of life. It being natural doesn't make it any easier. No, but... It's kind of like your first heartbreak. You know, like, that first painful, really super painful Mm. experience is so painful, Mm. and you think you won't get through it. But actually, humans are incredibly resilient. And the more that we... accept the range of emotions and experiences that that make up life not just the good but the bad and the difficult and the painful 
and that we grow through and from them that that is part of part of our life cycle as well and I think when you step back from it 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 does I don't want to use the word richer in a sense that um, in a a positive way but it, it does give you that It do, it doesn't it, it doesn't because I think like you know even thinking about it and I think this is just like taking it to like a social like political context is like if we think about the numbers of kids like dying mm. you know like how do you reconcile that and how do you like kids for example deal with their friends dying like the trauma of that. you know so there's this weird balance between like or not balance I mean and also what we're speaking about is very uh, on a very personal level yeah but not if we were to take it on a the way that actually death and grief is treated on a on a societal level yeah, and then macro and, and who gets to grieve um, publicly and who and the type of people that we do grieve publicly then we're talking about a whole different but not even on that I think it's I mean there is that obviously Mm. like who gets to grieve and who doesn't grieve what mass death looks like um, and where death comes you know and when it comes and who it hits but that death is a particularly traumatic experience and if you experience lots of death at once as well, that there is something tr- transformatory about death. I think what you were saying is like this feeling of how will I cope? Mm. Well, it depends when and how. Yeah. Who you become? Because, as you said, and I asked the question before about did it change you? I think fundamentally it must. Even if it's in a way we don't recognise. Yeah. What do you think we need to do with one another to, I guess, I've, I guess we've answered why we don't talk about grief because it's hard mm-hmm. <laughs> and we don't fully understand it, but what can we do better? on a personal level yeah like friends family and that translates I think we owe owe it to ourselves to be more honest about it Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people experience pain. I think a lot of society experiences pain that nobody knows about. And they hold it within themselves. And I don't think holding that type of... I think the type of pain that we hold, that a lot of people hold within them, is only destructive. And that's because whether it's about shame about it, Mm -hmm. discussing it, or shame that that they're going to be looked at as weak, 
or, or many different reasons that I might not even be able to point out. Um, I think that's a big problem. Well, also, I think you we've said it earlier, grief is actually therefore a universal emotion. Like, almost everyone, probably everywhere, ha- will or has experienced grief. You, you have to think that everybody will, right? Yeah. Apart from if they have some severe emotional, emotionally, do you, do you know what I mean? But mm. most people will, in their lifetime, experience grief. And therefore, that's actually a really good place to connect people. Mm. Because we don't, we find it very difficult to understand, we find it difficult to express, but there are kind of a core of, set of core things that everyone sort of will or can relate relate to yeah. I guess in a way that other experiences or emotions may not for example not everyone will fall, may may have or will fall in love right we assume it they may may not but grief I think is the way that we've said death is certain grief is almost certain there's a great podcast terrible called terrible thanks for asking um I don't want to talk about the podcast, but the, the title yeah. of it alone um, is based on the fact that when people ask each other, are they okay? And everyone goes, oh yeah, I'm good. I'm fine. I'm fine. Whereas this is looking at the conversations about actually saying that you're not fine. I think that's one thing that we can take from this. I think it's um, being more truthful with ourselves as well. Otherwise, what a life is just a little lie. A little life or a little lie? I wasn't even trying to do that <laughs> either. Um, because it is, if we're, if we're not. Not everything has to be meaningful, but. So I guess on that note, grief allows us to be. If we, if we are we move towards being able to talk and express grief is the perfect place to exercise vulnerability without shame, without judgment, without fear and to actually practice connection in the moment that we want to desperately disconnect but also desperately need (laughs) to connect. Said like a true disciple of Brown. And maybe a bit of Esther Perel now.